Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning, the following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. And I'm Ashley. And I'm Aiden. And all of you just missed the hilarious conversation where those two tried to explain what slay means to me. (laughs) Because... I'm fucking old, and I don't understand internet lingo. I do not blame my dad for not understanding internet brain rot. And I'm basically trying to tell him, don't try to understand it, you're old. That's <laughs> that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Even though I'm only two years younger. <laughs> like, I don't, I, yeah, but I don't internet, so. Yeah, that's that's very true. He's he's not hip to the lingo. I'm, I'm not. I, I probably just sound cringe, though, whenever it hurts my I head. do it, so. I internet, and even I don't use most of those words. I, I'm one of those old people that's like, the internet is destroying the English language. Well, but then I talk to coworkers about um, stuff that, or I, I try to use some of these phrases with people that are younger than me who also haven't heard of it. And then they're like, yeah, kids are stupid. Why do they talk like that? Yes. Again, brain rot. Yeah. <laughs> so it came up because we're going to review and review reanimator. Yeah, don't try Yay. to say that fast. <laughs> uh, but I was reading some of the reviews and somebody said Slay. And I was like, is that a, like a Doom reference? I was you trying know, to decide. I don't know. I was trying to decide if in reference is. to that review, if it was worth bringing up this whole topic about this movie. Well, I wasn't going to go into the whole thing. I was just, It was used in a review and I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> What does that mean? I mean, they did kill people, so Slay is appropriate in that context that, yes, people did die. Well, yes, in the sense of, like, you're telling somebody, basically, you're killing it, sort of. Good job. Like, I, a friend of mine, I, I posted my, oh, yeah, I, I celebrated my 40th birthday this past week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I am, uh, speaking of not being a younger person, I'm not somebody who posts selfies very often because I don't need that kind of validation i guess no offense to anybody oh man <laughs> but You're i don't a whole can of worms there i don't i don't post pictures of myself very often um and but i do do one every time it's my birthday but that's not because i'm looking for anybody to say oh you look good or anything it's like that kind of wanting to see how i change over the years out of morbid curiosity mostly and somebody told me to slay and i was like yeah so sweet and you were like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't i didn't get it and aiden who is our kind of resident lingo what are you like a gen Gen z or what are you i'm gen z yeah so he understands all that internet stuff and he explains it to us old people i can't explain it well because most of it at least a good chunk of it is rooted in like old school 2016 like old did you just call 2016 old school i referred to it as old in internet terms but that's because like a 2022 meme is old now and 2023 just started i i work with a guy who's 23 years old and the other day i told him he was on x games mode and he had no idea what i was talking about and it broke my heart a little bit (laughs) oh yeah 
I was driving back to the warehouse from at work the other day, and I, there was this pickup in front of me, and they were like, in business since 1999. And I was like, that's not that fucking long. And then I did the math. I'm like, goddamn, that's 24 years. Yeah. Um, you know, because 99 is the year that you I'm fucking old. graduated, and I was yeah. still a sophomore. <laughs> me and Aiden were talking about this earlier today um, on the way back from the store. It's like people that were born in 2022, early 2020, or 2002. Oh, I was like 2022, like last year? No, no, no. Are still babies? People that were born in early 2002 can buy beer now. Yeah. That's bizarre to me. Yeah. I was 22. Yeah. (sighs) Again, uh, going back to this coworker of mine, who you is an adult so i don't look at him as anything but an adult but then i do the math in my head and i'm like holy shit when this kid was or guy when this grown-ass man was born i was graduating high school <laughs> it's just that freaks me out yeah a it does bit. make you feel good does it <laughs> and then they use words like slay and you're like i don't know what that means well he wouldn't use the word slay but <laughs> well he wouldn't use it to you because he would know that you're old and you wouldn't know what it he means. wouldn't use it anyway I, again like didn't know what x games mode was even you know what x games mode is. i i remember the inception of the x games so no 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 <laughs> i'm saying that maybe i don't know what it because means of our own children we are more than aware of the thing that was vine and have well i can't speak for you but i know myself was pretty obsessed with vines for a long time and sometimes i i can just fall into the rabbit hole of youtube and just watch vines for hours and then quote them for like a is, month is after. vines like is it like a tiktok thing Sort of. Is it a sex thing? It was. <laughs> it was TikTok before TikTok existed. Yes. TikTok has tried and still has yet to match its power. Okay. All right. So we should move on. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. You want to ask him? Yeah. We, let's, let's move on. <laughs> this is going to place I don't want to go. I don't like this. I don't like Fuck. this. this I can't road, believe you've done this. This road trip sucks. I don't want to go there. <laughs> so reanimator. We'll get back in something from my generation. Goddamn. Made 1985. Um, it's an hour and 24 minutes long, but honestly, it did not feel that long. No. no I, mean, it really I get didn't. it. That's just shy of 90 minutes, but it didn't didn't feel that long. This, I will go ahead and go on record that since we have started this podcast, I feel like between the two of us, this was the most enjoyed movie we have ever watched together. Is that is that fair? I would agree with that. I because, had more fun watching this movie than most of the other ones we've watched. Well, here's the thing. We both don't... In, I mean, that was the inception of the show. We both have never enjoyed things both at the same time. Like, doing Deathgasm, you were like, oh, yay, I love this movie. I can't wait to talk about it. And I was like, eh. Yeah, no, you didn't You know? And this was the first one that I was like, fuck yeah, reanimator. And then you pretty much had the best reaction that I could ever hope to expect from you watching a horror film. And I was like, I was like almost proud of you for a minute. No, you said those words. You said, <laughs> I'm proud of you. And you use those words after I said, I want to watch the other two. Yes, I did. <laughs> but to be fair, they weren't that good. Maybe it, we'll cover them later, but they were not as good as the original. Yeah. And speaking of rabbit holes, pretty much after I, uh, we covered or started watching this because we watched it several times this weekend. Um, I was like, I've got to watch all the fucking Jeffrey Combs movies that I can, you know, I have access to right now. Yeah. We still need to watch Castle Freak. Yes. You, you need to watch I Castle need to watch Freak. Castle I've Freak. seen it several times. So. so, yeah. Anyway, so, 
Um, ratings. This movie surprised me. It surprised me a lot. I liked it, so I automatically assumed that no one else would except for you. Okay. Because that's typically how it goes. Okay. Like, if we really like a movie critically, it's not that great. But this one's a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Not surprising. Here's what is surprising. It's 73% on Metacritic. That's still not surprising. It's 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Are you serious? Yeah, I was holding that one back. Holy oh, that's shit. Impressive. 94%. Oh my god. And it's built on the strength of Jeffrey Combs' upper lip. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with his lips. Like, you mentioned that when you were watching, and you're like, something's weird about his lips, and I was like, not to me. No, I don't. <laughs> so, Aiden, I, I just want to go ahead and say right quick that this was your first time watching this film. Yep. So, first impressions. Give us your first impressions of it. It was pretty freaking great. Yeah. Um... I don't know. It was. Come on, Gen Xer, put your phone down. Yeah, get off your phone. <laughs> Xer, stop playing. Did you just put me in dad's. Oh, sorry, not Xer's ear. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, not I'm, turning forty. I, <laughs> okay, hope, Zoomer. Oh, that happened a while ago. <laughs> yeah, you can't use that one on me. Anyway. Uh, um, it was it was funny. It I don't know. It didn't feel like a horror film. <laughs> Uh, but no, it was good. Yeah, uh, that was that's. All so I have to say well, about well, it. here's the thing: you are, despite your having been in on the show with us pretty much since the beginning, I, I would think that that's fair to say. You two are also not the hugest horror film fan, so this was kind of the first time I think you also watched a film and were like, "I'm really surprised at how much I enjoy this film." Is that fair? Yeah, because it wasn't a horror movie. I, I mean, it is, but it was not. <laughs> It's no, it's a horror movie. What part of that was scary? Uh, oh no, 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 no! Scary, it's not scary, scary is subjective. But, but I'm talking in terms of genre. Guts, it it fits as a horror movie. Yeah, in terms the of content, genre, the content makes it a horror movie. It doesn't have to be scary. But you're also a fan of Lovecraft and yes. have read a lot of, of his works. So mm-hmm. this is a very, very, very loose <laughs> adaptation yeah. of Herbert West Reanimator, mm-hmm. and um. I have I have said on this show before that I am a huge Lovecraft fan. Uh, let me rephrase that. Yeah, you probably should. I have not read any Lovecraft. So before you get your twerks and pitchforks, twerks and pitchforks. Don't get your twerks. <laughs> yeah. your no twerks. Torches and pitchforks. I am a film nerd. I am a fan of Lovecraft via film. They're like, as I mentioned, I've seen a lot of those adaptations. I still think you'd like Lovecraft. Love, God damn it. Now you got me doing it. <laughs> you would like Lovecraft a lot better if you read the books. Probably. The books are really good. And I know that they're in everything just about public domain. And so they're really easy to find oh yeah as far as reading yeah a lot of them are free yeah so i don't know like maybe there there there's some concepts that i've gotten through the film that are interesting but i don't know maybe it because of how old they are i'd be like "Mm, okay so kind of boring uh, no they weren't he was very descriptive um Kind of like King. You know how King described, when he sets a scene, he sets a damn scene. Right. Like, you know what color the carpet is. You know if it was Berber or Shag. Like, you know Now, those I have read. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft kind of did the same thing. Yeah. But a lot of his books, they get in your head. It's a very psychological uh, writing style that he uses. They can, his books can scare you. I was going to say, I remember you telling me you had read something once that you were legitimately afraid of reading. Uh, That was the Wendigo. And that was a long time ago. I don't remember if that was Arthur Machen or Algernon Blackwood, but it was one of those guys. They all they all kind of hung out together. No, no, I'm talking about Lovecraft specifically. Um, there was something of his that you read that scared you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not scare necessarily, but it creeps you out. 
Yeah. Because you, those guys, they and, and it's like King. I'm just going to use King in there. And I don't know if he would be upset that I'm putting him in the same category, but they force you to use your imagination. Okay. And they set the scene well enough in their writing that you can see it in your head. Mm-hmm. And then your imagination does the worst thing that you can possibly right. do. Yeah. There, um, there are a few things, at least in my experience, as fun, but also as horrifying as imagining something not just bigger than yourself, but bigger than all of existence. And that's something that a lot of his books do. It's not just bigger than you. It's bigger than anything you can think of. Yeah. So I have I have read, I'm not going to say all of Lovecraft, but I've read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been several years since I went through all I went through a phase and I read them all. Um, him, Poe, Blackwood, Machin. I read them all. Um, so it's been a while. and I, But I can remember this one specifically. This is loosely based on that, right. on that book. Right. Several very, loosely, like I said. Very loosely. Yeah. I mean, they got sort of the basic idea of it, but, you know, it's, it's good. And just addressing the elephant in the room before we com- act like we're completely just in love with this uh, author. We are aware that he is, was... He was a huge racist. A trash person. <laughs> we'll just say it. He was a huge racist and he hated women. Yeah. Um, so nobody is condoning any of his past behavior. Um, I feel like, especially in this time of cancel culture, you find yourself having to separate the art from the artist a lot more than you used to. But, I mean, there's a whole subculture of people who love Lovecraft stuff. I mean, think of about every Cthulhu thing that will pop up if you Google, you know, Cthulhu merch or something. There's all kinds of he, shit out yeah, there. Yeah, he built a whole world. Much the same way Tolkien built a whole world, so did Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, I mean, here recently, there was a whole TV show, Lovecraft Country, which which I never did watch, but it just continues to live on no matter yeah. how old the source material is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. for the people out there that are like, I don't want to support that guy, guess what? His shit's so old, most of it is public domain, and you're not giving him one penny to read his books. Right. So you ain't supporting anybody. <laughs> yep. But uh, what was what, I was thinking in something, and I completely lost track of what I was trying to say. Well, I think say. it was just that we appreciate his literature, and we like this movie that was based on his literature. Oh, but, I remember what I was going to say. But we acknowledge that he was a horrible person. Yes. And, and pretty much how this whole thing happened was that Stuart Gordon, who's, who's a great filmmaker, was a great filmmaker, um, was looking to make a horror film that wasn't the typical stuff that we get all the time. And I think at the time, it was a lot, there was a lot of vampire fare out there. And he basically wanted to do something that wasn't a slasher, wasn't a vampire film. And somebody said, have you ever read Lovecraft before? And he said, no, I have not. So he got turned on to his literature and then went, this is really fucking great. We've got to do something with this. And I would say subsequently, he made his entire career off of Lovecraft because a lot of the Lovecraft stuff that I love so much was either written, produced, or directed by Gordon. That's true. 50% of his career was Lovecraft and the other 50% was Barbara Crampton's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she shows him, she's in all of his movies, I think, and she's nude basically in every one of them. So I felt bad for her. <laughs> in the first two movies, I felt bad for her. I, I don't think you should feel bad for her. I think she made that choice and is happy. Uh, with hey, her as choice, long as it was so... her choice, to, as long as it was her choice, it's fine. That being said, we will talk about how this film is. It's it's dated. It's it's got it's got issues. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But, does. but again, you know, we've had this conversation before. Films being a product of their time and. 
uh, Robert so, Crampton has well, not come out and said anything about any mistreatment. She she talks about this film lovingly, so I think that we're we're good. Okay. So, before we get all that out and start really talking about our cast and crew and all that stuff, do you remember the first time you watched this movie? No. Good, I don't either. No. Yes. Was it two days ago? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I remember watching the film American Beauty and it being referenced while our two leads were stoned and he was talking about... Uh, head giving head and being like what the fuck is that but I don't think that I finally watched it until like the last at least the last five to ten years or so yeah it was grateful grateful dead yeah dead but, head. but I do remember watching it and just laughing my entire ass off Aiden uh, uh I, ditto <laughs> I, I don't know. It was it was really funny. Um, I really appreciated it. It I don't know. It felt more like a comedy to me than a horror, and I, I wasn't feeling super observant whenever I watched. It. I didn't know I'd be covering it. I kind of just watched it. Well, here's here's another thing. You guys are listening to two, and I use air quotations around this medical professionals. <laughs> Aiden's not quite a professional yet, but he is in the field or going into the field, and so this was something he and I. I could also watch together and kind of as lovers of science we this was a film we could really appreciate science <laughs> so am i wrong in assuming that this was your first time too no 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 i'd seen it before parts of it i think i've seen parts of it before okay this was your first real time to watch it okay i was waiting for the next prompt no okay <laughs> so I, there were parts of it that i remembered like i remembered the cat and i remembered uh the deadhead <laughs> scene uh-huh uh, um, fight in the mortuary, stuff like that. I remembered bits and pieces of it, but this being really the first time I ever watched it. Um, mortuary? Man. You mean morgue? Yeah, that too. <laughs> it's like I think of morgue and a mortuary. Yeah, it's not a mortuary. It was just the morgue. <laughs> the mortuary comes after. Thank you for that. Um, I didn't really pay attention to it beforehand. Not much. I mean, it was just like it was on. Maybe you were watching it and I was in the room while you were watching it and I looked up and went, ha ha and then I went back to doing whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around though, I... I was impressed and not just like, so there was stuff I laughed at. And a lot of times when we talk about movie horror movies specifically that we laugh at, it's because the acting is not wonderful. But I will say that the acting in this film, when I guess we'll expand on this later, the acting impressed me and it was still funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was, it's a ridiculous premise, really. The whole movie is. Um, but they really, they, they used their whole ass <laughs> when they, they acted their whole asses off. They put their when foot they in did it. it. Yeah. And from what I, you told me, they were all, nearly all of the people that were in this were theater actors. Yes. So like they really emote when they, I mean, they get down and it was, I was impressed with the quality of acting and the comedy they were able to bring to it at the same time. Yes. Yeah. And we'll definitely get more, more into that. So let's get started. All right. So cast wise. Uh, Jeffrey Combs plays Herbert West. Love and if you didn't know life. that, slap yourself hard. Um, <laughs> Bruce Abbott plays Dan Kane. I don't blame you for not knowing him because he was only ever in these two movies, I think. Did you, did you look? I know. Okay. Then. But I've never seen him in anything else. Barbara Crampton <laughs> plays Megan Halsey. Uh, David Gale plays Dr. Carl Hill. Robert Sampson plays Dean Halsey, who is Megan's dad. Uh, Gary Black, or is it Jerry Black? plays mace who's that i don't know maybe that's uh maybe that's the security guard of the morgue you know what i'm gonna be honest there's a lot of other people in here and i don't know who any of them are (laughs) so and most like really those are the ones that you focus on right you've got herbert west dan megan 
Dr. Hill and Dean Halsey. Those are your big. I will give a quick shout out, though, right quick to Carolyn Purdy Gordon, who is um, Stuart Gordon's wife. And before Rob Zombie was doing his thing, putting his wife in every movie, Stuart Gordon was doing that shit first. He has put his wife in some role in every single film he's directed. Okay, hang on. And I think that that's really cool. Hang on. You're telling me that it's possible for a director to put their wife in a movie and she can keep her clothes on? (laughs) That's a thing that can happen? (laughs) Damn, Rob. Take notes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Stop. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. Anyway, so it was written by H.P. Lovecraft, but the screenplay was done by Dennis Powley and William Norris. So... Is that like Chuck Norris' cousin? Here's the thing. Here, I have, I have problems with how they did it because it is it strays pretty... Other than the, like just the concept of what's happening in the, in this movie, they stray pretty far from the original material. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, H.P. Lovecraft, his work kind of falls sort of into the same category as Clive Barker's. No one's going to throw that much money at it for you to really do it justice. Um, and they talked about it in, a, in a, a documentary that you were watching. Like, they just couldn't afford to set the scene to do it like the gothic fantasy. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the money for that. Right. So um, they gave gave it a modern update. Right. So they had to kind of, they had to spin it. And that's fine. Uh, but I really would like to see this done right. Like, done original. Uh, as far this as I'm concerned, right. it has been done right. Well, I mean, you could cast the same people. I mean, I don't know. I, would have, I just would have liked to have seen it set the way it's set in the book. It might be really boring then. No, no. Because I think if you've got Jeffrey Combs in it, it's not going to be boring. Well, as much as Jeffrey Combs can still call me, I think he's a little old now. He is. He is a little <laughs> old. Barbara Cramp's a little old too, but she can still call me. So. Uh, well, you can't tell it by looking at her. No, no. She's, she's looking fit. <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so it's, so I know that uh, from a special effects standpoint, I don't recognize any of these people. I know Screaming Mad George worked on the third one. Uh, he might have worked on the second one, Or was one it too, the second one? Sure. KBR was involved with it, too, but not KBR? In Who's well, KBR? I don't. Kellogg, Brown, and Root. They drilled You mean oil. K&B? Yes, those people. Oh, my God. Stop, <laughs> stop talking about things you don't understand. You know what? You just do it, then. You do it. Tell us about the effects. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Go ahead. I'm done. Just I'm KBR? Done, I'm done. That's the only acronym I can think of. I don't ever think of K&B. K&B being Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Burger. God damn it, that's too long. All three of those names are too long. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, still could, well, then it's more reason for me not to remember them. Anyway, so I guess moving on from that. Yes. Story. How do we so, feel about the story? So why, why don't we kind of give a brief plot synopsis here? So medical student Herbert West has moved on to Miskatonic woohoo, medical school to join Dean, Dean, Dan Kane, Dean Kane, that's Superman. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, Dan Kane, who is a third year. And I was confused if he like was Harry a Potter. medical student or if he was doing his residency. residency. Um, they're they're never really clear on that. And Dan is he's not a rich guy. He needs help getting through school. I think it's implied that he's on a full scholarship, but he's still not a rich guy, so he's kind of struggling to get through school and puts that out for a roommate, and he ends up with the most kooky roommate you could never hope to get. And Herbert West is 
and they were roommates, is studying on basically how to reanimate dead tissue and kind of ropes Dan into his experiments and all hell it breaks loose. Yeah, but... Um, sort of a critical point, I guess, in that story is the very, very beginning where you see West getting kicked out of a school in Switzerland. Yes. And yet they all speak German. Where they all speak German. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Fortunately, you speak a little bit of German. Yes, I do. So you were like, yeah, they're speaking German. So, um, but yeah, because, uh, Dr. Gruber, right? Yeah. Why is every single German person in film named Hans Gruber? I don't know. Is that just like the John (laughs) Smith of German, Germany or something? I don't know. I know that our daughter's Yorkie is named Grubber after a character in a My Little Pony movie, and I call him Gruber. I call him Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Yes. Get the Luger. Anyway. I call him a little shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I, I guess we'll start with you. What do you think of the story? Again, I would like to see the setting be a little bit different, but I, I feel good about the story. Uh, I like it that they give the uh, sort of the initial beats uh, with West getting kicked out of that school. Like you get to see a lot of his personality just in that first, was that like a minute long scene? Yeah, a minute or two. And like you kind of get to know him just a little bit or the manic obsessiveness that he has with what he's doing. Manic is a perfect word. Uh, like how he's just... Yes, he really is. <laughs> but... You get introduced to him, I feel like, the right way. Um, and the introduction to Wes did not need to be understated. It needed to be big. Like, right. You needed to know what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. Because when you see him and he's just being normal, he's kind of a quiet guy uh, with just a sort of a, a quick wit and a sharp tongue. He was that he was quiet, lived yeah. alone, kept himself. Yeah. And we all know what those guys are like. And if they'd introduced <laughs> him that way and then you get to see him turn it up to 11 later you can be like oh where'd that come from so it's good to see him at 11 from the beginning right and then you come back down yeah because Because you're aware of something that the audience is not yet well we are the audience i mean not the audience (laughs) sorry the characters that is where we live um, the characters. Correct. We have insider information. Um, but that way, and then when you see him bring it down, like it really, there's almost two sides to his personality. But you can really understand as the movie progresses how seriously he takes what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like My that's really good. Whack. I feel like the introduction to Dan was fine. It was fine. Um, he was doing CPR very poorly. Like, I don't even know how to do CPR, but I've seen people do it. And he was doing a hey, terrible job. Hey, excuse job. me. Are you in the medical field? Well, why don't you tell me how terrible he was doing? Aiden? <laughs> Ashley, tell he me. He was doing garbage. His compressions were off time. They weren't deep enough. He had very poor help from the person managing the respirations, too. Like, it was just not good CPR. That person was dead the minute that Dan walked on there. <laughs> I've been meaning to uh, text uh, Travis from Podmortem, who teaches CPR, and ask him, like, did that hurt your soul a little bit watching him do these chest compressions that were like seconds apart? Because the way we, the way I've been taught and the way Aiden gets taught is you're supposed to do it in this specific rhythm, which if I'm being funny, the way I got taught in school was they said, time it to staying alive. Ha, 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 staying alive, staying alive. And I believe Aiden got taught the same way. (laughs) I don't know why that's a rule, but. So the Bee Gees will keep you alive. (laughs) Yes. Alive. No. But alive. Dan is just doing these very half-assed, half-hearted 
He's doing chest it. compressions. He's it's doing it so like he's pathetic. scared to break a nail. How many are you supposed to get? Uh, I think it's uh, sets of 30 and yeah. two breaths. Or in that case, since he had somebody doing respiration, it's just constant. Boy. What? Boy. Yes. Boy. Boy. God of boy. Uh, Dad of boy. There's Yeah. There's a good chance that Travis might listen to this. And if you were wrong just now, <laughs> I hope he calls you out publicly. And you know what? That's fine. Because I would be happy to be... Um, what's the? Cause see, I was thinking it was twenty something. <laughs> okay, well, if anybody from Pod Mortem's listening to this, <laughs> or a medical professional, let, let Travis know what Aiden said, and then he can be schooled publicly. I am okay with this. Put me on blast. <laughs> Just let him have it. Put him in the stocks, tar and feather him. <laughs> But anyway, so you get introduced to Dan, and Dan's just very, he's very uh, sympathetic, I guess. He's got a very soft heart. He's clearly in the wrong profession. He cares about people, but he gets, like, really emotionally attached. Yes, yes. I, w- uh, I would say point, probably more so in part two. Ah, I to was the right, point it where, is 30. To the point where his <laughs> emotional attachment interferes with his ability to do his job. Yes. And I feel like that's fine. I don't, Barbara Crampton's character, Meg was fine. She just... She was just waiting on somebody to protect her. I think that's the whole thing. Like she didn't I don't really, she think didn't, so. I didn't she didn't do a lot though. I mean, it's not necessarily. Even though she is one of the key players, I don't feel like she's a main character. So I feel like she she's mostly there to further Dan's yeah, story. Yeah, she she is what drives Dan's story. Yes, yes. But not necessarily the story for the entire movie. Yes. But yeah. I mean, she's just, she's the love interest, and that's really it. I mean, am I wrong? I, she gets put in danger, and so she pulls uh, Dan and West into that because of Carl. I mean, like, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Not necessarily. There's, there's a lot. Again, it, it's to further Dan's story in that Dan is here on a scholarship, and they're engaged, although I didn't get the impression from them that they're a type of couple who would be engaged. They seemed more like a couple that's having fun. Maybe they haven't been together that long and they're still in that honeymoon phase of their relationship. And her dad is the dean of the school. So therefore, everything that is happening, it all, everybody ties together in some way. Right. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like her storyline does not necessarily directly connect to uh, Herbert West's until later in the film. Right. He was there for a completely different reason that had nothing to do with her. So you've got almost two storylines that run parallel to one another. Mm-hmm. I guess you've got Dan and Meg in one and West in the other, uh, where he's there to pursue his, which I don't understand that he's there to learn, uh, to pursue his studies, but he clearly already knows more than most of the people there. Right. Or does know more than anyone else there. Yes. So I didn't, I didn't really get that. Including our main big bad of Dr. Dr. Carl Hill. Hill. Yeah. And and, you know, it's fine. I feel like Dr. Hill was a good villain. I need to move on with the story because y'all want to talk too. But she, it, uh, yeah. She basically was just useless for the whole movie. Um, well, no, no, no. Com- you guys. No, no, no. To Herbert's story, all she was was an impediment. She just got in the way constantly. For him, from a character for standpoint. West. Yes. yes. West thought that she was in the way. Yeah. And that, like, I don't know. I guess other than her relationship with Dan, she 
felt unimportant. You guys would have made such great friends with Lovecraft. I don't know. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm just saying. I am I am that, criticizing that in, the writing of the character. In this film, they didn't give her a lot to do. Yes. Other than be Dan's love interest. And it would have been fine for her to have more to do than just be his love interest. Exactly. She could have been a more, I guess, padded out character if this wasn't an adaptation of a Lovecraft book. Now, having said all that, she was the catalyst that brought the movie to the end. So, I mean, there there is that. They did make her sort of the, the linchpin in the whole thing. She is what brought them all together, gave them a goal. There's a, there's a lot that results because of things that are happening to her, too, which is why I feel like y'all aren't giving her enough credit because there are things that, that happen as a result of her, I guess. Such as? Well, such as Hill's obsession with her, for one thing. That is set up in the very beginning and that pays off a lot in our the climax of the film. And <laughs> Aiden's looking at me like, eh? no, but, but seriously, we are set up kind of not knowing the full extent of Hill's obsession with her. But that is something that pays off in a pretty bad way toward the end of the film. Yeah, because you've got... They're sort of tangled together because you've got Dan and Meg, which are together. You have Meg and Dr. Hill, which Dr. Hill is completely infatuated with her. And then you've got West, which is in competition with. Yes. Sort of. He's almost like Dr. Hill's nemesis mm -hmm. because he thinks Hill is a complete quack. Yes. Which and he is. And that all he did was rip off his mentor's work, uh, Dr. Gruber's work. Mm -hmm. um, as, as a matter of fact, at one point in early in the film, he says that in Europe, they call that plagiarism. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> He's but got some great lines. He is also, and we'll go into this a little bit more. I would say he's also in direct competition with Meg too. They are so, sort of competing for Dan. Yes. But not really in a romantic way. Um, Which is why I said we will go into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just sort of the, I guess the, the cliff notes that is that Meg wants a romantic relationship with Dan. And I get the feeling that West really just wants a Dan partner. to be his Renfield. Right. He, he needs yeah. an Igor. Uh, so, fine, fuck way. it. Let's just go ahead and talk about it. You do it. The elephant in the room. So, going into this and being like, okay, I love all things that are fucking reanimator. I love all things that are Jeffrey Combs. I'm getting on Pinterest and I'm going to pin a bunch of shit, right? Um, I was not prepared for the amount of West and Dan, quote, shipping that I was going to find. You get used to that in other franchises or stories like there's a lot of people who ship Sam and Dean Winchester even though they're brothers and it makes absolutely no fucking sense but you people do this with characters a lot where they just want to see them together and I was going through and I was seeing this pop up over and over and over again and I kept thinking why why is that a thing that's coming up and I went into this whole thing or, or found this whole thing about how people really think that there's a homo sexual subtext to reanimator and i'm i'm not <laughs> trying to sound any kind of a way here i have a gay child i am going what that that doesn't even make sense to me because 
there is definitely something off about West, right? That's not, you You can pick up on that. Again, every time Megan enters a room, he has just complete disdain for her. She's in the way. He doesn't want her around. But I don't think that it's because he wants a romantic relationship with Dan. I think it has everything to do with the man is on a single objective of trying to see his vision through and Megan is a roadblock. She is consistently a distraction and obstruction to progress in his project, which he needs Dan for as someone who has ties with the upper management of their school, as well as someone who has free access to all the dead bodies he could possibly want. Right. And she seems to be Dan's kind of moral center, maybe. So where is Dan is immediately kind of intrigued with the work and curious and and I will say that Dan seems to be easily manipulated on one side or the other. He obviously gets manipulated by West a lot, but he also gets manipulated by Megan. So he's kind of being pushed and pulled between these two characters. And so I would say you have kind of a hard, harder time figuring out who Dan really is because of those two people on his on, on his own. But I did not get gay from West at all. If anything, because of the person that we know wrote this story, I was actually getting a little bit of incel energy from West and maybe asexual, you know, but what not I got, gay yeah, necessarily. What, what I got from West was that he is a, he's a man who is so focused on his work and his goals that he just refuses to make time in his life for anything else. Yes, yes, that is the same thing that I got. He just absolutely does not have the time or patience for friendship or romance. Because let's be honest, him and Dan are not friends. Dan, oh, no. Dan is a means to an end. Yeah. Maybe I will at say... the very end, they're sort of friendly. But in the beginning, he needed a place to stay and he needed someone to help him get access to the hospital. Dan was just a key right. that opened a door for him. Right. But I, I don't, I don't, I never, saw anything romantic there Mm-mm. like i said there was there was he was a means to an end in the beginning at the end they were sort of friends but let's not if dan had died at some point in this film he would have absolutely shot him up with that green shit yeah yep they and then friends, moved on to another lab assistant yeah but they weren't that good of friends i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there i just uh, i didn't i didn't get that feeling from if, this film if somebody can watch a film like one of the great things about film is that anybody can take whatever they want from it what it means to one person may not be what it means to somebody else. So the fact that it has reached such icon status, I can't talk, reached icon status for the gay community is, is great. I just don't think that was its intention. And whenever I hear these retrospectives and essays on how reanimator is a gay film, I just feel like it's a bit of a reach. That's all. Well, I don't see it. I don't see it that way. But I will say that if there are people out there that they watch the film and that's what they got and that's why they like it and it helps them if that they feel better, great. Everybody gets something different out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just me personally, I, me I didn't personally, get that. I did not see that. It feels very something out of nothing. I don't know. It's just... But it's okay if that's what somebody, if that's yeah. how somebody took it, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that was kind of hilarious that that, <laughs> you know, there's this whole other subculture of people that 
they make these videos of Herbert West being fruity for 10 minutes on YouTube, you know, because I watched one of them and I was like, okay, so I can see where they have made this conclusion. There are things that West does. Like, for instance, he does have these moments. Dan's the only person he ever touches. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed that. He's the only person that he ever touches. Mm-hmm. Um, he There's one scene in particular where they're both sitting at the at a table and he kind of hunches his head over Dan's shoulder or another scene where Dan is going into shock and he hovers over him with a blanket. Um, I still think that was for another reason, <laughs> i.e. hiding the tape recorder. But <laughs> Well, he shows the tape recorder. He's like, look what I got. But I will say that I feel like he does have a different dynamic with Dan than he does other characters. I think if you were going to see anything in West's personality, he gives that to Dan more than he does anybody else. Dan's the only yeah. one that knew his secret though yes so was it romance no 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 i I still don't feel like it's romantic but or was he trying to protect the only person who knew his secret you know what i mean yeah i just feel like if there is any humanity to him dan's probably the only person that has saw any of it i agree with that yeah i agree with that i'm just i'm just thinking that you know he did get a little protective of dan but i think that's Mm -hmm. just because he in his mind because he he was trying to keep his work secret right and dan knew about it dan knew a lot of details about it so he's got to keep dan close right yeah and I, I guess in a way they do form a they do form a partnership by any means of the word uh, it's, it's more of an that, employer employee type of relationship though well but even I, I don't I don't know I feel like it's too personal especially by like the second movie like it's too personal between the two of them to just be employer employee but even then it's not I say that it's not romantic because a lot of a lot of those moments I feel like stem from the fact that he is the only person, especially in that area, who's even hesitantly accept acceptive of his work and right. willing to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the only person that even entertains the possibility of it. Yeah, but he's the only person who actually sees it work too. Right. Again, he's the only one who fully knows what West is doing. But I will agree with Aiden that I feel like by Bride of Reanimator, West has a certain ownership over Dan. Yeah, it is much more it, it's much more a Frankenstein Igor type yes. relationship. Yes, I point. agree. So, acting. How do we feel about the acting? I think it's tremendous. It's pretty great. I think I think everybody fucking brought their game to this film. And it's so refreshing and and I, I guess this was Gordon's way of thinking. It was refreshing to see a horror film that was intelligent. The it is is so brilliantly written. Even if there are things that are, quote, problematic in this film, it's so brilliantly written and there's so much subtleties to it that I feel like you are rewarded in subsequent watches. I feel like you can pick up something new every single time you watch it. You know, whether it's a line or it's a look or body language or something, there's always something new to pick up from it. And I'm sorry, I'm going to go off for just a minute here. I don't know that this film would be what it has become without Combs in that role. Completely agree with that. He is 95% of what makes that movie so great. And it is because of his performance. I think he is a highly, highly underappreciated, um, underrated actor. So I will say to your point there <clears throat> that I feel like a good portion of that is because of all the ridiculous lines that get said in this film. And there are some lines that just are kind of insane. 
99% of them are his, mm-hmm. but he delivers them with such intensity and feeling. He really, he really stepped into this role. Like he, he put, he put it on. I feel like, I, I don't know what kind of actor he is, if he's method or character or whatever it is, but like he was wearing his Herbert West suit when he did this. I, I was watching an interview with him and they were saying, how do you get in character for Herbert West? And all he did was take out his glasses that the character wears, put on his glasses and go, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I thought that was so great. Yeah. That he but... could just seamlessly go into that role. But if it hadn't been for him, the rest of the film wouldn't work. I don't think so. Because yeah. if anyone else had been in that role, they would not have been able to sell the stuff that Herbert West has to say in this film the way he did. And he's just so, he's so committed to it that you buy it. Now, that's not to say that Barbara Crampton, her, hers was fantastic. Even Dr. Hill, his acting yes. was great. Everybody um, was great. Dan's acting was great. I mm-hmm. mean, you kind of buy him being just an exhausted intern slash resident that's torn between two things that has a huge amount of empathy for people. I don't know. They all sold it. They Even all did a fantastic Dean job Halsey, I, I had just the best time watching his performance too because he starts off as such this straight-laced, stuffy, waspy character whose main concern is this grant. You know, it's it's all about money. And to see him shift from that type of character to this highly comedic zombie was just fucking everything. I, I loved that performance so much. What killed me is how he was able to convey some degree of emotion, even as a zombie. Yes. Yeah. You know, when Barbara is threatened. Or, did I say Barbara? <laughs> Megan. Yeah, Megan. <laughs> I'm totally not talking about Barbara Crampton. Uh, when Megan's threatened, you get something from him. It's subtle, but it's mm-hmm. there. He is obviously um, a very caring father, despite his, well... His willingness to let a man that's probably a couple years older than him bone his daughter? Yes. Not <laughs> not, not like that, but more so that any time that she even comes within a modicum of danger, he's automatically, like, there. He's a better father as a zombie than he was as a living person, I think. I will say that, yes. That is- I agree. Fair, (laughs) but like so. To your part about the funny, um, when he's in that padded room, yes, the orderlies come in and he like (laughs) gets that wide stance and kind of hunches down. He's like, oh. For anybody that's a fan of SpongeBob, it's Caveman SpongeBob. Yes, that's what that is. It's the Ooga Booga stance, and And it cracks me up every time he does it. (laughs) And they come in and he takes that wide leg like sumo stance, and it's kind of a just a grunt. Come at me, bro. (laughs) Yeah, but it's hilarious. He does throw him around. I felt like it was very reminiscent of Bud in um, Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. He he gave off that energy. I don't know which movie came first, but that is the character that he reminded me of so much. And he's a good portion of uh, some of the throwing that goes on. Actually, it was you, I believe, that said this should have been called Reanimator. Yeet. Yes. Yeah. This. Yeah. This this film could have also been named Yeet because the amount of things that get chucked at a wall people <laughs> number of people that get junk not wall. just people cats objects okay i was gonna talk about that i just... well we can move on to special effects and you can talk about uh, that well i don't think we're ready for special yeah. effects quite yet but, but... At, the, at the start when when the cat is thrown like there is gray matter on that wall <laughs> how hard did he throw that <laughs> cat 
Like there was some yonder on that. Like, he put it, he put beans on that throw. Like everything he had. <laughs> I don't think I could throw a cat so hard. Its giblets ended up on the wall. Like, but going going back to performances, even Hill, as despicable as his character is, and he does the most atrocious stuff in this film. David Gale still plays him to perfection where you buy that he's the skeevy creeper and yet I mean you completely buy that he would completely take the credit of somebody else's work for his own but he played it so deliciously evil so the thing that kills me about his performance is that you're a hundred percent correct you believe every every despicable thing that you can imagine about him he sells it in his acting where you believe it but then he says stuff that's so weird Mm -hmm. and maybe unintentionally funny that you laugh even though you'd kind of like to set him on fire yeah but then he's also outright funny in certain scenes that's what i mean like there's there's a scene where he's his head (laughs) is sitting in this bin and his he's kind of directing his body to get these bags of blood to pour on him and the body is stumbling into shit and he has this moment where he just rolls his eyes because the body's not cooperating. And he it, it was it was hilarious. So now that you say that, a good a good portion for me, for me, um, of the the quality of this film, specifically with acting, is due to the expressiveness that is relayed in the faces of Hill yes. and West. Yes. Because West his I don't even know how to describe his face. Jeffrey Combs has got an interesting look. I'm not saying anything negative about it. That's not what I mean. But <laughs> in this film, he does a lot of expression yes. without moving a lot of his face around to do it. Right. It's like very subtle. Like, okay, so when he gets caught doing something and they're like, <laughs> well, did you do this? And he just sort of looks away. <laughs> And he looks so fucking guilty and nothing on his face changed, really. It's just maybe a slight lift of the eyebrow. He turns his eyes to one side and you're like, oh, it's like the that's like the dog that got into the refrigerator, you know? Yeah. And Hill's the same way. His is different, though. His is a lot more dramatic. His facial expressions are. Mm -hmm. But both of those gentlemen there did an amazing job. Yeah. Through expression of selling the weird ass shit that they were doing. Right. Now, I'm going to give Barbara Crampton some props here, too. When she finds out that her dad's dead and she has that meltdown Mm -hmm. and she's like hating Dan. Although I wish she would have slapped him a third time. It would have been better if she would have slapped him a third time. (laughs) Like Julia Cotton style, just slap the shit out of him. Uh Uh-huh. She did great there. I bought it. I, she was heartbroken and crying yeah. and sad. And I will yeah. say that part of what makes the assault scene so uncomfortable is also her performance. Because yeah. you really feel like this it's really happening to her. She, and that's what makes it so, I can't watch this scene. She plays that character beautifully. Like, she she plays that role just in an amazing way. Yeah. And there's a, and again, there's there are other actors and actresses in this film, but you don't get a lot of time with them. Um, let, let, wanna... let, me, let me put in one thing here, as far uh, back to her performance for a second. There is a moment at the beginning that I think is very sweet between her and Dan, where they, they're post-coital. And he has this bit where it's very, uh, it's very Dawn of the Dead. He pulls the blankets over up over his head and he sits straight up in the bed and he starts kind of fucking with her and this joke and she just, her laugh, like, Dan, stop it. And it, they really conveyed that they were a couple that had fun and loved each other. And 
I thought her performance in that scene was very adorable and likable and she did give off very girl next door vibes. She's Megan is a very likable character. She was very innocent. Yes. Um, well, her, yeah, I think that extent, was it. Which, ex- is, which is odd for a horror movie because typically girls that have sex in a horror movie don't give off that vibe. Right, right. Yeah. But she did. Yeah. To an extent, her and Dan were both, seemed very naive almost. Yeah. More so Dan than her, but. No, I think they were both in the same boat. I think they were both in the same boat, but anybody would have been because the only person that was prepared for what West brought to the table, because let's be honest, West is what brought this chaos to Arkham. Yes. Was Hill. Hill was yep. the only one that was like, I see you. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you got going on there. Evil recognizes evil. Yes. They recognized each other for what they were. And so no one was prepared for that. One of my favorite scenes between West and Hill is toward the beginning where West is sitting in on this lecture that Hill is giving and he is basically peeling the skull of a cadaver and West is sitting there so fucking annoyed at him and you just see him slowly raise this pencil up and snap yeah well (laughs) and he kind of he looks annoyed but he continues and then you see him do it again slowly bring the pencil up and you're sitting there waiting for him to snap the pencil again and he is oh Mr. West well I guess we're gonna conclude the class for the day and so the students start to leave well actually actually what starts it is that West walks up to is like how can you teach these students this dribble these people came here to learn and that is like one of my favorite scenes like mm-hmm. it, it cracks me up every time yeah yeah he's like I know your work Dr. Hill quite well your theory <laughs> on the location of the will and the brain is interesting and he pulls off smug <laughs> so that. well he's I love such the a way smug says, little fucker interesting <laughs> Though derivative of Dr. Gruber's research in the early 70s, so derivative, in fact, in Europe, it's considered plagiarized. He pulls off like some Dr. Evil level shit there. Yes. Actually, Dr. Evil pulls off some Herbert West shit right there. That's what that is. Right. But he's such a smug, like, you're just like oh, I want to choke him. But it's so good at the same time. Uh, but yeah, and during that scene where he's like, he's pulling the uh, s- the scalp off that skull and stuff, like the, basically the emotion on uh, West's face conveys so perfectly that his only thought is, what a crock of shit. Yes. Especially, especially yes. when he's like, excuse you, it's six to 12. And yes. West is just sitting there like, this guy is so, ugh. Like, and I guess that's, that's my biggest thing about um, Hill's character is that he just seems like a malignant and clever idiot because it, it becomes very obvious very fast that none of his work seems to really be his own. The thing that kills me about it, every interaction, every time Hill opens his mouth in West's presence is he gets this look on his face like this fucking guy. He does the same thing with Megan time. too. And there's even a part where Megan shows up to their house and West goes, damn the bitch. <laughs> Like, he just seems so put off with every fucking person that's not Dan. Well, because every time she shows up, he doesn't get to go gray robbing with his best friend, Dan. I was (laughs) saying, and think about it, like, even the first time she shows up, it is actively hindering his progress. Like, that precedent was set early. Yes, because... She didn't want him to get an apartment. Because they were were in the middle of that that bit with uh, Dan doing the zombie bit with her, and Herbert shows up at the wrong time. And he's like, I startled you. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> and it cracks me up. Yeah. He just, there's, 
I know we're not talking about this film, but there's a moment in uh, Bride of Reanimator where a cop and a doctor are having a conversation and he says, well, who would steal body parts? And then you cut to West's head <laughs> coming around the corner like, just hello? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's back to just like you said, the subtlety of his facial expressions. He's, he has such an expressive face. And I think if you were just reading the lines on paper, they wouldn't be nearly as funny without his delivery of them. No, because I looked at the quotes on IMDb and I'm like, I'm remembering it in my head, but it's not as funny reading it as seeing him do it. Yes. It, and it again, it's like when they're talking about stealing body parts and he comes around the corner and he gets that look like, oh. Yeah. And then there's, there's another scene where they're going through trying to pick the perfect cadaver to use the serum on. And he's going through, this one's got gunshot wound to the head. This one has whatever. And he goes around to one body, looks at the toe tag and goes, malpractice. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Like, you smug little bastard. <laughs> yes. Th- here's the thing. I can I can see where West would be a gay icon in some situations because he is the saltiest, pettiest bitch in certain. He so is. <laughs> you're just. But he's so quick with it. Yes, it's hilarious. Yes, he's just so fucking petty, spaghetti Tom Petty that it 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 makes the movie for me. Absolutely, Aiden. Do you have anything to add about acting before we move on? Uh, Herbert West is awesome. <laughs> that's, that's literally like that character. Again, that character makes the movie. I, again, nobody, nobody else could play that role. Like I was thinking about this thing because in looking up reanimator stuff, Bruce Campbell kept popping up. And one of the things I had said before Aiden had saw reanimator, I said, Jeffrey Combs is like if Bruce Campbell and David Tennant had a baby, like you get Bruce Campbell energy from Jeffrey Combs somehow, and I can't quite put my finger on it. And so it was funny to look up reanimator stuff or Jeffrey Combs stuff and see Bruce Campbell keep popping up. And I think I finally decided it's because they're almost the same actor, right? Mm -hmm. Where they give off these iconic performances and you're like, this is an actor that should have had more done with them. They should have become bigger than what they are. Because Jeffrey Combs, again, such a fucking underappreciated actor. I'm almost sad that the span of his career has consisted of full moon films. Yeah. But, and like their comedy is very much so of the same breed where it's the expressiveness of their face and the timing and what they say that physical comedy. Yes. That makes some of their lines so awesome. I would disagree with that because Bruce Campbell is very much a slapstick comedy actor. He Uh, can do. Do you not remember the bit with the cat? I do remember the bit with the cat. I'm just saying that there's, he does a lot of slapstick in his Mm -hmm. and Jeffrey Combs didn't do that much slapstick yeah the thing but... that ties those two together for me is that when jeffrey combs walks on screen and reanimator you look at him and you go that's the hero of this movie Pretty much. bruce campbell walks on on film in army of darkness or evil dead and you go that's the hero of this that's movie. insane they before give they off do the anything same else, energy before yeah. they do anything before you even know anything about him you see him and you go that's gonna be the hero yeah. of this movie they, that's the guy yeah they give off the same exact energy that that was what i was trying to say is that even though you're looking at one, you're looking at Bruce Campbell, who's probably over six feet tall, well-built, very ruggedly handsome, and you're looking at his opposite, who is 5'7". He's shorter than me. 
uh, small guy, nerdy looking, and yet they still seem so similar but to you know me. What? He proved in this movie that he's resourceful as fuck. Mm-hmm. He'll yeah. hit you with anything. And they <laughs> both have the personality of I'm the smartest fucking person in this room. Because Bruce Campbell always gives that off to you. Yeah. All except, right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Except Jeffrey Combs <laughs> really is the smartest yes. person in the room. Yes, in, I agree. In Reanimator. And Ash is only the smartest person in the room because he's in a castle full of medieval screwheads. But they are both heroes in their own mind. Absolutely. And also before that, Ash is stuck in a cabin with idiots. Yes. <laughs> No, but to your mom's point, they both are, I'm, I'm it. I'm the guy. Yes. They've just got that, that attitude. Yes. And it, it works. It works on both of them, even though they're really opposite. It would be interesting to see the two of them in a movie together. Yeah. Well, I, and I will that say. That should happen. Overall, her, um, Herbert West as a character is much more deadpan than Ash, but it's it's the line delivery for me that they both, that, that line delivery, especially comedically, is so similar. <laughs> So let's talk about the other great thing in this film, and that's the special effects. For what they did, what year did this come out? Because I never looked. 1985. For what they did in 85, it's almost fucking unprecedented, in my opinion, because yes, you had titans back then like Savini and Baker and Botine. That we have gone on record stating how wonderful their work has been. But there were things done. I mean, I think Savini has been quoted in saying that a special effect is essentially a magic trick. And I feel like this movie really drives that point home because there were certain things where I'm going, how the fuck did they do that? Like the severed head stuff. Well, no. Some of it you can see and then some of it you're like. Not the severed head necessarily because in your mind you're going, okay, that's just David Gale under a table. You know, they've got his head propped up through this hole. I I know how that trick works, but the stuff where they're carrying his head around and it's still talking. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's so fucking amazing. Um, Limbs moving by themselves. I I, I don't know. I can't. The cat even at the beginning of the film. That was, it's obviously a fake cat, but it looks so damn good. Yeah, I, I look at the effects in this movie. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. How many times, (laughs) how many times did Peter Jackson watch this before he made Dead Alive? I wondered that too. I really did. Because there's definitely some cues there. There's a scene specifically in the Miskatonic Massacre where this body explodes from the chest and its entrails fly out and wrap around West. And I thought that is straight out of Dead Alive. It is, which was made. 10 years later. Yes, at least. Maybe not 10, but at least five years later. And I'm going, how much of this has influenced an array of directors? I feel like anybody who's seen it that makes horror movies, it had to be an influence somewhere. Right. Yeah, so Dead Alive came out in 92. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was almost 10 years later. Seven, seven years later. So. And the thing is, is that because of what it is, I don't feel like you can assign one genre or subgenre to this film because the more I got to thinking about about it because you think okay this is obviously strong science fiction vibes right but you also have that it's a zombie film in there too but then you also have this whole entire layer of body horror also that's that's what i was thinking there's huge like cronenberg level body horror yes this. and so i love that it can take on all of these things and and comedy horror too or horror comedy it's 
it does so much, but a lot of the special effects lend to the humor of it. You know, one of my favorite bits is um, Hill going to the morgue and he puts this dummy head that has been sitting on his desk through the runtime of this film and he puts the dummy head on his body yeah. <laughs> and he's just like sneaking up it reminds me of when you put three people in a trench coat on each other's shoulders to <laughs> walk in somewhere and that, that body is just kind of eh <laughs> trying to sneak in there it, it feels and this this reference will not make sense to either of my parents feels very octodad it's like that's very obviously just an octopus in a suit like oh. this is the worst disguise possible and it works <laughs> like, excuse me well you know the guard was too busy looking at his boudoir magazine boudoir. to notice <laughs> yeah yeah he was occupied. Yes. And then immediately after, he was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. It's break time. Yeah, you, what you gonna go do there? <laughs> no, I was pleased with the special effects in this film. Uh, yeah. I, there wasn't anything... I don't want to say they're dated. They still look good. Even in HD, they still look pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I'm always amazed with some, some, some of the 80s movies with what they were able to accomplish with the materials that they had to work with at the time. Right, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, at no point are you gonna look at this film and you're gonna go... Man, did they really kill somebody to do that? That's not going to happen. It's not going to be a thing you're going to think. But it's still good enough to make you cringe a little in right. some instances. We're going to go, oh, it's going to make you a little uncomfortable. It's still that good even though you know it's fake. Down to the simplest things, the serum looks amazing. Yeah, they just used a green glow stick. and uh, it's It very... probably is, but I will say that that serum is iconic. That one object by itself is iconic to this film. Yeah, anybody that's ever seen this film, if they see a syringe full of glow stick fluid... They're like, that's Reanimator. Right. It, it is identifiable by this movie. Or this movie is identifiable by that. They, they go together. It's like peanut butter and ladies. They just go together. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, 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 okay. So for, for those who have never seen me in person, I have several tattoos and have been itching for the next one. So because of what I do for a living, I had been talking about for at least the past year, I would like to get like an old kind of steampunk syringe, you know, on my arm or something somewhere. And then after this, that turned into, okay, what if I put green liquid in the syringe? That'd be really cool. Now I'm full on. I want a fucking Herbert West tattoo. Like, <laughs> like face and everything. Yes. You want, you want to put another for man's my, face on you? For my first horror tattoo, because I don't have any horror film tattoos. I can't think of one more perfect than this one. It's pretty good. Especially, it's, again, with what I do for a living. It's a solid choice. And that, me and Aiden were talking about it, and we feel like that's one thing that's kind of fun about this film, is that this is an area where Aiden and I have interest because of what I do for a living and because of what he's going to do for a living. And I was like, you know, they need more medical-themed horror films. I, okay, I, I, they really do. But I, while I, I like mean, what it, do we have, Dr. Giggles? <laughs> Yeah, and the dentist with Corbin yeah. Burnson. While I do really like Reagent as, at like, as a thing, like, it's really cool. It really, like, the look of it is iconic. It also kind of just looks like radioactive glow stick piss in a syringe. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. Well, Maybe that's it's just me. It, it, I'm sure it's close to extinct. Now, you were telling but... me that you thought the word itself, reagent, was a pun. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand it, so can you elaborate for the listeners? Because a reagent is a, or reagent rather, is a term often used for an ingredient that goes into uh, a potion or serum, um, especially in things like D&D. Um, so it's just the fact that it was called reagent and was also a serum was funny to me. Ah, okay. I, I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, we all agree that the special effects gods were generous to yes. this film. Yep. What about the score? How does anybody feel about that? I absolutely adore the score. That rhymes. Um, so much so, it is now the ringtone for my phone. <laughs> Actually, one of the lines from the film is also my text notification, too. So, that tells you anything about how much I enjoyed the score. Um, I will say that I am more than aware, and they've outright said it, that it is a direct homage to the score of Psycho. But... For me, they feel like two different things. And I think that has everything to do with the context of the film. Because if you listen to the score to Psycho, you know, it's, you know that you're getting something scary and intense. Whereas the way it is used in Reanimator, it's so silly and over the top and dramatic that it's hilarious. It actively adds to the (laughs) to the comedy in a lot of scenes. Yes, I would agree with that. I feel like the score was appropriate. I don't feel like it was overly comedic or anything else. It's, well, like Aiden said, it adds to whatever scene. The music overall for mm-hmm. the film adds to the scene it's being played in. And that's what you want a score to do. Right. You don't necessarily need a score to dominate it where people are more worried about the music than what's happening on screen. You want those two things to kind of go together. Now, as for the psycho... um, parallels i feel like there's a parallel between herbert west and norman bates anyway right so it's appropriate that the music would be similar as well right i agree and even if you're not talking about the main theme of the movie the other score that they have throughout there's there's different stuff like there's more romantic stuff between dan and meg there's kind of whimsical stuff that happens throughout too and then there's almost some cartoon level music in there too yeah but i feel like they used it all really well yes, i don't feel like I this is a what a halloween six situation <laughs> where you get the cops with the clown music that's part five yeah, well, <laughs> well that actress was in the next one so um i don't feel like it was used inappropriately so like i said it adds to it i feel like the score adds to the film as opposed to being a distraction or taking away from it i agree yep so and you know what the thing is is that i don't know the score from psycho i don't know i, I know the read 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 i know that part mm-hmm. that's it so when i hear this music i'm gonna think about this film i won't be able to name it because i don't remember names everyone mm-hmm. knows this i'll hear it and go oh shit that was in a movie i think i probably liked it it's the yeah and there's something kind of old school about it too i don't know like it yeah but you know what to aiden 1985 is old school <laughs> right we're fucking old <laughs> so aiden yes tell us what you loved and or hated about this film i <clears throat> absolutely adored herbert west as a character he's just awesome just all around like on point in every way i guess i hated that the movie wasn't longer like i could have stood to watch more movie okay and ash that, that, that's very very simple and to the point i guess 
this. So everything, I, I feel like I've already elaborated on this for so long, um, but I, I, I can't help it. Again, I don't think you have this movie without Jeffrey Combs and his performance. He gives such a weaselly, I'm better than you, but almost at the same time, this childlike quality too, in that when he doesn't get his way, he's like a petulant child, you know? Um, he wants all of his toys for himself. He doesn't want to share. Um, and and I, again, I think manic is a perfect word because he he also brings that completely psychotic thing to it where you're like, is he completely sane in his right mind? Or at some point, did he maybe crack up just a little bit? And I love that he can do all of these things simultaneously into one performance. So I, I absolutely love the performances in this film. I feel like everybody brought their game to it. I think that it's a brilliant script. It's very clever and ahead of its time. Even if it's based on someone else's work, I feel like the writers took that source material and made it their own thing. Um, the special effects, again, are out of this world. Fucking amazing. Um, it's, there's just too much to love about this film. I, I understand why it has gained cult status. I wish that it was brought up in conversation more when talking about horror films. Um, and uh, like Aiden said, the characters are amazing. The character of Herbert West is is just great. And this is one of those films that I feel like, please don't remake it. Don't. Leave it as is. It is perfect the way that it is. Um, that being said, it is not without its problems. Mostly, and this could be due to the source material too, um, Lovecraft was known for being a misogynist and I feel like that carried over into this film a little bit. So the assault scene and no, Aiden did not watch that scene. I did not let him watch that scene before everybody gets up in a fucking tizzy. Um, because I didn't, obviously that would not be appropriate. Um, I feel like... When you talk about Reanimator, that is the first thing that comes up for people. That scene has made this film infamous. I feel like that could have been left out because you know that Hill is already hot for Megan without having to go that far. Yeah. It could have just been implied. He had a file with a lock of her hair and what looked like an article of clothing of hers. So you already told us that I don't know that she needed to be assaulted on that table in order to drive that point home. I feel like that part of it was over the top and not needed. That is the only complaint that I have about it. So. Wow. Okay. Um, there's nothing I hate about this movie. Even that? It could have been left out. I agree with you 100% on that. I don't hate the movie because of that. Well, I didn't say hate the movie. I said I hate that scene. Uh, that's it, it could have been done differently. I don't necessarily hate the scene because I know it was fake. It is problematic for sure. I feel like that could have been implied without showing it, without putting the actress through that, because that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if I was going to have a problem with anything in the movie, it would be that, but that's it. Um, I agree that Herbert West, Jeffrey Combs, makes this makes this film. Everyone else did a fantastic job. I'm not, not going to say that, or take anything away from any of the other actors or actresses that were in this film. However, you cast a different lead in this film is not a cult classic anymore. I agree. Um, 
I don't feel like this film gets the recognition that it deserves at all. Um, I've made it pretty well known that there are some really popular films out there. <coughs> Scream. That I'm not the <laughs> hugest fan of. This one's better. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it does have some problematic content, but 99% of the other horror movies out there that have icon status have problems too. Yes, I would agree with that too. And I don't mm -hmm. feel like this has ever gotten the recognition that it deserved. So I, I like this movie. I like this movie. This is one that I'll watch anytime you say, hey, let's watch Reanimator. I'll watch this movie. Okay. So kind of, this is not something we typically do in the loved and hated section, but I wanted to include it. It this time and maybe we do this from now on maybe we include this as part of our our uh, itinerary but let's everybody go through and talk about your favorite scene and favorite quote Travis we'll start with you oh shit put me <laughs> on the spot uh one of the line one of the lines that I really like I can't name them all I can't even think of them all right now <laughs> but one of the first line that comes to mind and I'm gonna you're going to be stealing it. Yeah, you probably are going to steal mine. Cat dead details later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that was ad-libbed or what. <laughs> it's so fucking awesome, though. To provide some context for that, uh, let's all be honest here. We know West killed that cat. He just did. Yeah. <laughs> there was no accidental head getting stuck in the jar. Yeah. He the, killed it. <laughs> had, he, you know what, though? He came up with that story quick, though. He really did. His head got stuck in a jar and it suffocated. <laughs> But he's you like, You killed well, that cat. I killed her cat, cat bitch. bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden just got that reference. <laughs> but no, he was like, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you let me know? And he was like, What was I supposed to do? Leave a note? Cat dead? Details later? <laughs> yeah. That's... And then Red Bubble makes a sticker and it's already sitting in a cart for me. I'm going to put that on my uh, Tumblr that I use for work. Nice. <laughs> As for a scene, like if I had to pick one scene, oh, that's hard. I think I'm going to go with, again, the cat. When Dan goes into the basement and you see Wes, get it off, get it off, get it off. Get it off. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the only time you see him freak out and he's got this cat like attached to his back. Yes. And he's flailing around, running all over the lab. Get it off, get it off. Get it off. <laughs> yeah. It's really the only time you see him really lose his composure. Yes. It's because he's got a cat attached to his back. And when Dad says attached, there is horrible violence to the act of ripping that cat off of his back. Like, it takes and effort. And then it's followed by a yeet. Yes. Aiden's most impressed yeet. Yes. The yeet of an exploding cat. But there, is a, there is gray matter in that throw. Don't yeah. expect him to tango. He has a broken back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's other scenes that I really like. Um, the, the the pencil breaking bit yes. is fantastic. Yes. And again, you can talk about it all day long and it's not funny. You see Jeffrey Combs do it and you'll laugh your balls off. Um. The same thing when he comes running up to him after the lecture. <laughs> He's like, just kind of reading him the riot act. How can you teach these students How can you dribble? teach this drivel? <laughs> and he's just... He's so, in and again, it comes back to Combs acting. He's just so intense with it. Mm -hmm. It's like he thinks he is Herbert West. Yes. He embodies that character completely. I mean, you can't, it's hard to imagine him being someone else. It's kind of like trying to imagine Bruce Campbell being someone other than Ash Williams. They have become, so, or, or or Doug Bradley not being Pinhead. They're, they're synonymous. They're so synonymous with that mm -hmm. character that you can't separate them. Um, actually, I think a better one, when you were talking about his interview where he puts the glasses on, how do you get ready for that role? It really makes me think about Robert Downey Jr. 
and Tony Stark. Because I think that's the same person. I think if you talk to Robert Downey Jr. in person, he's probably just Tony Stark. He is Iron Man. Like, yeah. there's no acting there. Right. All and right. I get the feeling that Combs may not be acting as much as we think he is. <laughs> All right, Aiden, what do you, what's your so, pick? So, sadly, you, you had to say it. You had to say my favorite line of the movie. Sorry. So I have to go with my second favorite, which well, is... Well, what was your pick originally? Don't expect it to tango. It has a broken back. <laughs> the the morbid comedy of that scene with the cat yes. is hilarious to me, but easily my second favorite is, do you agree that it's dead now? Thump. <laughs> yeah. Do you agree that it's dead now? <laughs> And that shouldn't be funny. It's just, he delivers those lines in such a matter of fact, clinical matter or way when it's clearly emotional for Dan. Yes. Like Dan is sitting there like falling apart. His cat is in half on a table. Do you agree that it's dead now? Like you could take that screenshot and make a meme out of it. That's zero fucks given. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But easily my favorite scene was, uh, I'm not going to steal dads on this one because we do that a lot it's where hill is bumbling around the office de- like ted detached just watching his body flail around <laughs> with the mannequin head on is hilarious uh let's see um i picked two because i could not limit myself to one line so i think uh i have to go with the iconic line of you'll never get credit for my design who's gonna believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow <laughs> That is the all-time great, great fucking line. Um, oh my gosh, what was the other one? Shit, I forgot my second favorite line. Damn it. I don't remember what it is. Maybe I'll think about it here in a minute. But um, my favorite scene is also in the cat scene. But it is where the aftermath, like it's died down. And Dan has his back turned. And West is slumped against this wall sitting down. And he's like, look out! And so Dan turns around and freaks out. And Herbert just cracks the fuck up. He's got this fucking maniacal face and he's just sitting there cracking up. It's it, it just so fucking, fucking funny. Uh, God damn it. What was that second line? Oh my gosh. I can't think of it. Because there's, there's too many to choose. What scene was it? I can't remember. <laughs> Jesus, I nice feel job. so bad about it now. Oh God! Uh, shit! I hate that I can't think of it now. I'm so on the there spot. were more than one. There was more than one line that you liked. Yes, there there was, but there there was one that I was just like, this is like one of the all time great lines, and I cannot fucking think of it. Okay. Oh, was it? Was it? I think that's it. Cat dead details later. That may be. <laughs> that may be it. That may be it. Again, we can say it. It's his delivery, and seeing him say it, and you're like, that's funny. That's a funny bastard, right mm-hmm. there. Okay, okay, but the thing is, he doesn't say it. It's imagining him saying it that is hilarious. It's Dan that says it. He's like, oh, what? You were gonna convey it with a note? Cat dead details later. <laughs> yes. Like he's so infuriated by the fact that all he <laughs> no, left. No, no. West is the one. Note. West is the one that said it. No, it. No, it is legitimately Dan. He no. never no, says that line. No, no, West said it. West says it. Yes. He was like, no, what I was I gonna? Do no. leave you a note, cat dead details later. Yes, oh, and do I have that backwards? Yes, you okay. yeah, you totally did. But, but still, I would say like... that there is a line that is not funny, but I would say it's still just as iconic. And that's one of the first lines in the first five minutes of the film where she says, You killed him, and he says, No, I gave him life. Yes, yeah. that's Herbert West right there in a nutshell. 
just it yeah that's his badass like mic drop moment yes i yes. gave him life <laughs> so uh one more thing let's talk about how we feel about the franchise because not only did we watch this one but we watched the entire trilogy in one day so i will say for at least my part of it that i do really enjoy bride of reanimator 2 but i don't feel like it's as good as the original i don't feel like it's as funny at least intentionally. Like, I feel like maybe they were trying to go more intentionally funny, whereas they didn't have to be as obvious with it in the original. It's the Evil Dead 2 of the trilogy. Maybe. It's, it's like, balls to the wall eh, over just, the top. We're going to go funny. Yeah. They they went for broke in that one. Okay, but can we agree that one of the funniest parts of that movie is whenever um, West has gotten done digging and he's like, hey, we're neighbors with this crypt. And he's so excited about it. While Dan is sitting there, like, contemplating his life choices. I already said mine is, who would steal body parts? And then his head pokes around <laughs> yeah. the corner. I fucking love that scene. Yeah, there are several <laughs> several moments in, in the second one where they say, like, who would do that? And he's like, oh. <laughs> just kind of looking away. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. I remember what that one part is that you were talking about. It's it's in the original. And it's it was uh, Dan saying, you haven't done this to a person before. <laughs> and he just kind of goes, uh. Yeah. Well, um... My work is done here for tonight <laughs> yeah how about them cowboys yeah that are not going to the super bowl anyway <laughs> but um and then it's part three while it has its moments i don't feel like combs's heart was in it as much it felt like maybe he did that as a favor like somebody said hey we need to bring back reanimator and maybe he said oh yeah i love that part i i wouldn't mind playing it again but it didn't seem like he was as committed to it. He still did it. He was still awesome. He just clearly was not as committed to it mm -hmm. as he was in the first two films. Yes. And the acting was not great in that one. The effects are still pretty fucking top notch. There's a whole bit with a penis fighting a rat that's just <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, but them filming it in Spain, there's some dubbing work that goes on in there. What do you mean some? <laughs> Um, to think, me, it's just, it's not of the same quality that those first two films are. No, it was, no. <laughs> so I like the second one. The second one's fine, but it's more of a comedic take on the same, basically the same story. Um, a lot of vaginas in it. Right. From Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. Um, she's sort of the love interest and then they're going to bring Megan back and the chick from cop, the cops do it by the book. Yes. Fuck off, Wade. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, Halloween 5, isn't it? So it's As not, our bride. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Uh, she's basically in bed the whole time. And then she gets up and she's like a real life stop motion Bride of Frankenstein or something. But the acting wasn't terrible in that one. And it was funny. It was clearly designed to be a more comedic it, film. Like you said, it the, still had its moments. It, it, there were still moments that gave me a couple of belly laughs. But Herbert West was still on full. Point. He was full on. Yes. Um, yeah. He Je Jeffrey Combs brought it again in that one. I feel like Dan's character, he didn't as much. And I think some of the other actors and actresses in it were just happy to be in a film. Um, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you did your best. <laughs> um, yeah, 
eh, it's okay. The first one's still better. The third one should have never happened. I agree. I mean, I still like seeing Jeffrey Combs on screen. I think that he came in and he did Jeffrey Combs, Herbert West, but his heart wasn't in it. You can kind of tell. Yeah. He was still great. This is another one of those, like Halloween, that I feel like if you had stopped at the first reanimator and there had been a net, never been another film, it'd be perfectly fine. Okay. Yeah. But having said that, Jeffrey Combs on a bad day is still better than some actors on their best day. I agree. So, yeah. I mean, him showing up and you can tell he's phoning in, he's still better than some actors out there that are really trying hard. Yeah. So that's kind of my take on it. I, I'll watch the first one anytime. I'll watch the second one anytime. The third one, I may never watch it again. Okay, Aiden? The second one was, again, really good. Um, funny. Um, well, funnier than the first one. But again, it wasn't didn't carry the same energy. So I, I don't like it as much. But it's it's still good. The third one was just uncomfortable. A like, little I appreciated, bit. Like, I appreciated Jeffrey Combs. Like, I appreciated his assistant. They, like I, I liked those characters. It was just uncomfortable. His assistant was not Dan, though. His assistant was not Dan. No, and the story was not as good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, w- it um, wasn't a solid story. Yeah. No. So, like Dad, first one, I'd watch it again anytime. Second one, I'd, again, I'd probably watch it again. If it was on, I'd probably sit down and finish it. Third one, no, no. Okay. Like, penis fighting a rat was the highlight. High yeah, and that was and the that was... end credit scene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, just fast forward to the end and watch that. Okay. Uh, Mary Fucker Kill, Reanimator. You go first. Mary. This is a Mary. I seriously had to rethink my top five films after rewatching this one because it was one that I watched it and I was like, this movie's fucking hilarious. I love it. But revisiting it, I went, I fucking love this movie. And so now I'm I'm seriously having to rethink what my top five favorite horror films are of all time. Reanimator may have kicked one out. Yeah. Aiden. Um, am I allowed to say the word? No. F. Because it's not, okay, it's not like so good that it would be one of my favorites, but it's one I'd like come back to that I really enjoy. You know, it's not like top material, not merry material, but I'm not like, it's not one that I'm never going to watch again. Hey. So the day you turn 18, you better have your shit packed. Because <laughs> I'm kicking you out. <laughs> well, Do you I have your, your first Mary? I will marry this film. Wow. Sheesh. Like this is, I don't know, I heard some other, I think it was a YouTuber say it, like stuck on a desert island or whatever. That would be Mr. Lee McCoy. Uh, yeah. Because there's so much shit happening in the background. This movie's got serious rewatch value. Yes. And in a marriage, you gotta have re- uh, rewatch value. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 damn near perfect. Like I said, this, this film to me is unicorn status. Absolutely, Mary. So, next week, because, and it's my pick this time. It is time, your pick. Because of watching this film, it put me in the mood for something in the same vein. I would say not as equally up there, but damn, it made me think of it so much. And so that means next week, my pick is Return of the Living Dead. We're going to watch Thumb Matthews. (laughs) It's another horror comedy having to do with zombies. If you've never seen it, oh my God, you have to because the Return of the Living Dead is also a cult film. Linnea quickly. She's the reason it's a cult film. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a lot that makes that film a cult film. And it's it's another one that I think is just brilliant and underrated. And I, I love it. So that's my pick for next week. All right. I feel like that's a semi-solid pick. Semi-solid? It's Semi- a semi-solid It's like pick. a cream cheese pick. <laughs> it's a cream cheese pick. But a cream cheese that just came out of the refrigerator. Not one that's been sitting out of a while. It's, it's pretty solid. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who thought that Corey Feldman was going to grow up to look like Thom Matthews? Corey Feldman. They Excuse don't you. look alike. They don't. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no idea. Why? But then Corey Feldman didn't look like John Shepard, who was the first no, Tommy Jarvis either. <laughs> Corey Feldman doesn't look like anybody but Corey Feldman. <laughs> I know. Why did they cast him in that role? I have no idea, but I love Tom Matthews and I will go into that next week. But until then, you've been listening to Dead and Married. Take care, guys. See ya. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just 3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. <laughs> For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration. I can't do it.